Welcome to the podcast. This is Pastor Don speaking to you from what is affectionately called the Upper Room here at Bible Fellowship Church. I'm sitting in a room that's approximately 20 feet by maybe 40 feet, 45 feet, and I'm the only one here. As I move from the parking lot uh, into the church building, I noted that my automobile was the only one parked in the parking lot. I opened the door, had to unlock it, moved inside, looked in the meeting room, what we call the sanctuary, and there was no one there. The lights are off. Moved into the fellowship hall and looked into the kitchen, the restrooms, and I'm the only one here. I moved up the stairs, relocated uh, in the upper room, opened up my laptop, plugged in the microphone, and turned on the program, and now we're podcasting. It's a strange thing. At least it seems odd to me that I am here with the intent of ministry, of teaching and explaining and the Word of God, giving encouragement, instruction, and exhortation, and I'm the only one here. Gives a whole new meaning, whole new uh, perspective on the Scripture verse in Matthew that says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of you. I'm the only one here. I don't know if that means anything. It just seems odd. This um, idea, concept of podcasting is new to me. This will be my first podcast ever, a solo podcast. And so we're going to give it a go this morning. And I have selected for our study for contemplation verses from Isaiah chapter 66. I'm going to read these. Isaiah 66 and verse 1, thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What is the house that you would build for me? And what is the place of my rest? All these things my hands has made. And so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. This passage actually caught my attention. I've been here a couple days this week working on the podcast, trying to, trying to figure this out. And as I was looking through the 66 chapters of the book of Isaiah, I jumped over to the last chapter. Let's see how this thing ends. See if there's anything recorded in the 66 chapter that can give us some help as we're trying to understand and teach the book of Isaiah, especially in light of the circumstances that we find ourselves in as a church. We're not able to meet. We're not able to come to the church building. We're not able to assemble because of the COVID-19 concern that we have. And so I bounced over to Isaiah chapter 66, uh, having read this many times, knowing that it's talking about uh, the end of it all, how things come together. I was hoping to find in this chapter some words of encouragement, something that would help us in our, in our time of isolation, our time of aloneness, and time of, not, of social distancing. And so I started out, read the first verse, read the second verse, and, and thought to myself, this is not what I was thinking would be here. Uh, this seems to be a troublesome injunction. And let me explain. 
The Lord starts out by saying, Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. We read that elsewhere in Scripture. And, uh, but then he says, What is the house that you would build for me? And to the people of, of uh, Isaiah's day, that would have been a reference to uh, the city of Jerusalem and the temple in particular. And it seems like all the problems that Israel was having was in regards to this temple and their misappropriation, uh, their lack of, of true worship, the form, the process that they were going through was, in the lives of the Lord, a sham. It was a pretense. didn't have any depth or meaning to it. And um, the Lord was offended by that. And he said that, you know, I've, I have heaven. And we're talking about heaven. That's the place where God resides. Heaven is evidently outside of the universe. It uh, extends beyond the universe. And it um, is a place in which God has uniquely designed and prepared for uh, his own presence. Actually, when believers in this life, when they pass, when they, when they move out of this physical world into the world to come, as we sometimes express it, they go to be with the Lord who's in heaven right now. So that's a good thing. And he says that the earth is his footstool. And I can imagine uh, uh, sitting in a chair, putting your feet up on a, on a footstool and for purposes of resting or for enjoying the company of others who may be sitting around. And so with heaven as his throne is his dwelling place, and then able to extend his feet into the universe, often this word earth is used as a, uh, as a, as a larger term to include all the things, material that God has made that incorporates this universe. Of course, planet earth, and the solar system that the planet Earth finds itself in, um, the sun, the uh, the stars that are out there, the, the this whole creation that when we look up through the skies or we have the privilege of looking through a telescope or maybe seeing pictures taken by uh, satellites or space travel uh, telescopes that have been able to send back pictures, we just we're just overwhelmed with the immensity of this that we call our universe. And yet God looks at it and says, this is a footstool. This is not such a big deal. And he said, I made it all. I made the universe and everything in the universe, planet Earth, everything on planet Earth. I designed it. All the processes that are in place are those that originated in the mind of God. Heaven is his throne. We get the sense that heaven is even grandier than the universe. And all this came from the hand of God and the mind of God. He brought it all into existence. And so you can understand, perhaps, when he looks at planet Earth, looks at those that are dwelling in the city of Jerusalem the time of Isaiah, and says, so what is the house that you would build for me? What is it that you can create or bring into existence, or even design, take the things that hand and put them together in such a way that you have provided a place for me to visit or to reside or to come and, and, uh, and sit and enjoy your fellowship and your company with. 
And he's, it's, just, it's just ridiculous. It's ludicrous in the mind of God to even think about that. So as I sit here in an empty church building, uh, it's, almost, it's almost sacrilegious to call it church because there's nothing here but uh, carpet, there's uh, sheetrock, there are four fluorescent lights overhead. I'm grateful for the light because there's no windows in this room. Uh, it's rather sterile environment without you here, without people being here. So we get the sense then that God has made and that God has resides in places other than brick and mortar. In the second verse, he says, "All these things my hand has made. They come from they come from the presence of God. God's the one who has brought these things into into existence. And so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. Uh, we get that. We understand that. But then he adds, uh, Isaiah is speaking on behalf of the Lord. He's wrote, he has written this down so that we can read it and have been reading it now for nearly 3,000 years, 2,700 years. And he says, but this is the one to whom I will look. He is saying here, there is that which has value to me. And when I look on my creation, I'm not looking for buildings that you make with your hands. I am looking for something more substantial than that. But this is the one to whom I will look. He, or that person, who is humble and contrite in spirit. And I get that. But then he adds this expression, which really caught my attention. It really separates the spiritual men from the carnal boys, if you will. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. That caught my attention. And I'm wondering how many of us, including yours truly, how well we enter into that idea. How well we understand what it means to tremble at God's word. And so... I did a little research. I have my laptop opened, as I said, my Lagos program. And so I've gone to a few of the commentaries, and I want to share some of that with you just to kind of flesh out this uh, idea of the kind of person that God looks to. Uh, what is What kind of heart and spirit and soul of a person does the Lord deem of great value and worth to him, one that he's actually looking for or hoping to find uh, here on planet Earth. Reminded of, of Adam and Eve in the garden, and after they had sinned, God came in the evening, in the cool of the day, to visit with them, and he was looking for them. He couldn't find them because they had hidden. And he said, Adam, where are you? And there's a sense in which Adam, because of his sin, was had lost that innocence, had lost that that privilege that he had enjoyed prior to that of fellowshipping with God and, and of worshiping him in a proper way. So the New American Commentary, I think Gary, Gary Smith is the author of this particular commentary, and he says that, or he explains, the first trait is that they are humble. Okay? And then... Gary Smith then tells us 
that the word that's translated as humble also is translated sometimes as poor or afflicted. He says that it often refers to an oppressed person because of social, material, or political powerlessness. The metaphorical meaning would refer to those who are not proud or arrogant in spirit, but realize that they are deeply dependent on God, unworthy to come into his presence, and owe everything they have to God. The humble, you see, exalt God while the proud exalt themselves. The second term describes a person with a contrite spirit. And Smith goes on to say that this adjective is used only three times in the Hebrew Old Testament. It's used in 1 Samuel 4.4, but also in 1 Samuel 9.3. It literally means crippled of feet. The root of the word means he smote or uh, he, he was stricken which most frequently appears in the context of fighting and war. If a person's spirit is crippled, this person knows that he cannot make it on his own, but needs help. I think that's helpful. So there are three uh, characteristics of this person. The first is that this person is humble, and he senses his powerlessness apart from God. Secondly, he is contrite in spirit. He is one who, through the experiences and circumstances of life, has been wounded and has a, has a wounded spirit and, in some cases, a broken spirit. It's a term that does not refer to being despondent, but lowly and dependent on divine help. The third characteristic of the people of God, according to Smith, Uh, or the kind of people that God wants to have a relationship with, is that they tremble at God's word. And uh, this is an important concept. We see this throughout the world. Ezra 9.4 says that all who trembled at the words of the God of Israel because of the faithlessness of the returned exiles gathered around me while I sat appalled unto the evening sacrifice. It's amazing. We kind of go on our own way, uh, lost and rambling out through the woods, until we see the light, until God speaks as he has done in his scripture, and it grabs our attention. It pulls us about and places us in a position to where we can continue to hear and God's word and respect him and order our own lives according to his will and his ways. People like this, those who tremble at God's word, stand in awe before the king of kings, who made the heavens and the earth. They deeply respect what God has said, take it very seriously, internalize it, and make it part of their worldview. And then they implement it in, the daily, in their daily walk in thinking. Uh, I think this is a phenomenal concept, that God actually is interested in people, but he's particularly interested in those who have a humble and contrite spirit, and who tremble at his word. I I don't know exactly what this term, tremble at his word, means. It doesn't mean to be afraid of God, but it certainly has the idea of, of respect, of having a sense of reverential awe 
that when God speaks, we listen. When God says, do this, we pay attention and we say, yes, sir. When God says, stop doing something or move in a new direction, because we tremble at his word, we know that God means what he says and that God is going to be true to his word in every instance. Of course, when we read the 66 chapters of the book of Isaiah, we're impressed with um, the, the twin themes of judgment upon the erring people of God on the one hand, and blessing that God brings to the people of God who trust him and who walk in his word on the other hand. And so I think in today's world, this COVID-19 situation, it it gives an opportunity for the church and for us as believers to review, to take stock of where we are in our lives. And I think for many of us that uh, we often are just going through the motions. It's almost as if it's a good thing to go to church, so that's what I do. But I don't think that's the same thing as trembling at his word, as, as seeking to know and understand what God has said and what he meant by what he said. There's, a, there's an eagerness uh, to understand and to know, and there's an appreciation of the person uh, who has spoken. And so we, we give ear to what he said. And that's true. I know that we're interested in what uh, various people are saying today. We may listen to the radio or tune into uh, some news agency, and we want to know what people are saying, particularly the president and uh, members of Congress, uh, those who have responsibility and the charge for our safety and for helping us to navigate uh, through the coronavirus uh, time period and to get out the other side and to be able to continue life. So we're, we, we are listening. We are eager to hear what they have to say. We're wanting to know what the future holds. And there's a sense in which that's okay, but I think it's better uh, to go to the Scripture, to go to the Scripture with a, a hungry heart, with a perspective that God has something to say. Uh, he feels that what he has to say is of great importance, so much so that he raised up his spokespersons, the prophets, the preachers, and others uh, to say these things, and then to have these things put in print and then passed on from generation to generation so that we could have it in our hands today. Uh, the Scripture is not archaic. It's not out of date. Uh, it, it, it speaks plainly to our situation today. So we want to take the time over the next uh, several weeks or so with um, Bible talks from the book of Isaiah. I think there's much here. I think this is a grand book in many ways, and perhaps we'll talk more about that next time. did want to go on to another commentator or two, get their perspective on things. David McKenna wrote in his commentary on Isaiah chapter 66, verse 1 and 2, Without a humble heart and a contrite spirit, and without trembling at the word of the Lord, our worship cannot be pleasing to God. As a substitute for spiritual worship in the temple, the Israelites performed four illegal sacrifices, killing a bull as if slaying a man, sacrificing a lamb as if breaking a dog's neck, offering grain as if offering swine's blood, 
and burning incense as if pleasing an idol. Evidently, there were rituals of these were rituals of apostate Jews who pursued their own selfish motives and took glee in blasphemous abominations. For them, God will let their own delusions and fears become the punishment for their sins. Here's the point. Superstition is grounded in fears that, if released in full force, are sufficient to destroy a person. The author goes on to say, just the opposite will come to the humble, to the humble hearts and contrite spirits who tremble at the word of God. Again, we hold this truth in a in a prophetic paradox. Presumably, the same pattern of worship and ritual that can bring glory and joy to some, but judgment and shame to others. A humble heart, contrite spirit, and a trembling mind before the truth makes all the difference. We're getting ready to sign off now until next week, but I did want to close in prayer and just tell uh, those that are that are a part of our church family, that we love you, that we are praying for you. We're finding ways, trying to find ways that we can continue to communicate with you, that we can connect. There's some things that we've done this past week and able to, to get alongside, but not too close, keeping our social distancing from some of our older family, older church members. And so we're going to continue to try to find ways that we can reassure that we can bring comfort uh, to those that are in their homes and and not able to get out and about and it's not not helpful that they do so i feel their pain this morning as i'm sitting here before this microphone in this empty room in this empty building i just the um the isolation is is thick it is oppressive and so i sense that uh, this can be a problem for those of us who are members of churches that are not able to meet together, though we can meet virtually, and we're doing some of that as well here at Bible Fellowship Church. It's just not the same as looking across the table uh, from your brother or sister in the Lord and just hearing about how things are going in their life or sitting in the church service together and hearing God's Word and rejoicing trembling together uh, at his word realizing that we've we have a we have the privilege and the opportunity to hear and know and understand and then live out the truth of God's word i'm just as happy as i can be uh, joyful for the privilege that i have had personally uh, to to uh, study the word of god to have the time to be able to do that but also, what a, what a privilege and what a joy to be able to share God's Word with my church family uh, through this medium of podcasting. So, our Father in Heaven, we come before your throne of grace, seeking that which only you can provide for your people. We ask, Lord, that you be working in our hearts and our spirits in such a way that we are the kind of people that you desire to be with, that you are eager to be in fellowship with. We ask, Lord, that you would help us as we move through life not to be overly concerned about the problems, the circumstances of our life, uh, worried about what the future may hold, but having a strong faith, a more complete trust in the one who has it all in hand, 
the one who created the heavens, including the heaven that's the throne of God, created the whole universe, created all the processes, understands every aspect of how things work, including this uh, this virus that's gone worldwide, and and the financial uh, problems that 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 follow in its wake. These things are matters of concern, but yet, Lord, they're not. They're not things that are outside of your control and your concern. But we pray, Lord, that in the midst of all of that, not being overly concerned, but trusting in you and trying to be the kind of people that you are looking for, those who have a humility and a, a sense and a sense of your presence and less of, a, and less of an awareness of themselves and their own problems. And Lord, that you would help us to tremble at your word and that we understand it, that we have it opened up to us in such a way that we can, we can appreciate it as you intended it to be appreciated, that we can understand the message as the uh, human spokesperson delivered it, and understand it from the perspective of his original audience, but also, Lord, to take those things that, that you have said that reveal to us who you are, and then be able to live our own lives in light of this marvelous revelation of the person of God. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.